Well, today we're going to go into number three. The title of today's lesson is Like a Rock in the Water. Okay, like a rock in the water. Do you like taking risks? That's a dangerous question. Yes and no. It depends, doesn't it? I mean, Rocky had to take a risk. That The very first movie, the best of all of them in my opinion. But he gets this chance to fight the champion of the world. And he was taking a huge risk because nobody gave him a prayer of going. I mean, Apollo said he ain't going to make it out of the first round. Right? And he was afraid, I'm going to make a fool out of myself. I'm going to be on national television getting pummeled by this guy. Why am I going to take this risk? But he took it. And risks always depend upon the stakes. I mean, it depends on the stakes, and it also depends on the odds of the risk. Sometimes they make sense, sometimes they don't. Some people are afraid of flying. There's the brother, uh, his name is Slava. He leads the church in, in uh, Kishino, Moldova. He's going to be coming to Istanbul. He does not want to fly because he's never flown. He goes, I can drive it. It's only like seven, 800 miles. We're going, it's an hour and a half flight, dude. <laughs> Come on. Oh, he's scared. But he doesn't realize... Flying is 30 times safer than driving. It's just in his head. It's not worth the risk. In 1982, in, in New York, there was this art exhibit where really weird art, art exhibits happened in New York, and this was art. It was a chair. It was a chair. And there was a shotgun, loaded shotgun, aimed right at this chair, and it was on a timer set to go off sometime in the next 10 years. And people were lining up to come sit in the chair for one minute. Taking that risk. I mean, what are the odds, right? I mean, it's in the next 10 years. What are the odds it's going to happen in the first hour? That would be kind of a waste of time, right? But, but, but people were doing that. I think eventually somebody got sense and took the chair out. And they, That's not art. That's stupid. But... There's risks. We take risks every day. We take risks with our faith. I mean, doesn't faith imply risk? I mean, if you know all the answers, if everything's safe, if you can see it, there's no need for faith. We're going to talk about faith. This is a very famous story in the Bible. You may have figured it out. It's Peter walking on the water. A guy named Rock <laughs> walks on the water, right? But he was willing to take a risk in order to do something that no one else had ever done. And I want us to ha hear this story and think about what can I do? Can I walk on the water? You look in Matthew chapter 14. You got the story. Beginning there in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went on out into the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it's me, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. 
Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me! And immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. An incredible story. It reminds me, though, of, of another story. Not quite as famous. Phyllis and I, I don't know if any of you know, we used to live in Arkansas, southern Arkansas. It's our first ministry position. And in southern Arkansas, it's true. I'm not lying. I'm making anything. Okay, all right, okay, okay. Um, it's a big duck hunting country, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just this corridor for ducks migrating. And Ducks Unlimited, we have some friends in Ducks Unlimited. And there was this one guy, he always had the best dogs, best trained dogs. And he had one kind of like this dog. He had worked hard to train this dog to do amazing things. And he took the dog and a couple of his buddies out duck hunting. Pretty soon, the ducks fly by. Bam, 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 you know, ducks fall. And then my friend goes, okay, Rover, go get him. And just like this dog, he just jumps out of the boat and just walks across the water. Picks up the first bird, walks back, puts it in the boat. And he goes, okay, get the other one. He turns around, jogs out across the lake, picks up the second bird, jogs back, jumps in the boat. My friend was like going, looked at his other guys. He goes, so, notice anything different about my dog? And the guy goes, yeah, your stupid dog don't know how to swim, does he? <laughs> you get it, get it? See, sometimes we're like the guys with Peter, and we're like this even with Peter. Instead of recognizing that he's the only guy that steps out of the boat and actually walks on the water, we come down on him because he loses faith and he sinks. We get so distracted you know, by, by what we think that the obvious, something incredible has just happened. We don't want to make that mistake. I want us to see what was really going on here with Pete and this rock on the water. Now, a little background. They had just found out that John the Baptist, he was, you know, super famous, but he had just been executed, okay? He had just had his head cut off, but they couldn't mourn their friend. And this was actually Jesus' cousin, and Jesus couldn't even mourn him because the crowds kept pushing him. Oh, gee, we need you, we need you, we need you. So he's loving them and he's serving them. And this is when they feed the 5,000 and all of that stuff. Finally, Jesus goes, I, I need some time alone. So he tells the guys, get in the boat. And it says it in chapter 14. We just read it. And, um, but in verse 22, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side. And he'd take care of the crowd because he wanted some time alone. Some time to... Think about his friend, his friend got beheaded, his cousin, and I think to grieve and to pray. But notice, Jesus made them go knowing they were going into a storm. If he was the Lord, he knew what was going on. We know that they probably, if they had known what was going on, they would just say, let's just stay with the Lord. Because we like that, don't we? We're, we're like them. I like to hang out with power. I like to hang out with the blessings. I like to hang out with soak up the security and the love of being with Jesus. But Jesus says, no, I want you to be able to stand on your own even when I'm not right there with you. You guys go on ahead. See, he proved he could walk in the water, but he wanted to teach them, you can too. 
you have faith. The point is that sometimes God will send us into a storm only to rescue us from an even bigger storm later. And the reason is, is God's more concerned with our spiritual growth than he is with our physical comfort. See, he loves us. And he loves us just the way we are. Okay, a lot of times we say, can't you just love me for who I am? Love me, take me for who I am. And what we really, really want is take me for who I am and quit trying to change me. Leave me alone. Love me for who I am. And God does love you for who you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay who you are. He's always trying to get you to grow into something better. Grow more mature. He sees down the road and he goes, I'm going to mold you and shape you. And that's what he's doing with his guys here. So here's the disciples. man. They're scared to death. They're freaking out. They're out there in the boat and they're rowing and rowing and ain't nothing happening. They realize and they think, I'm in trouble here, but it's, I'm in the storm, but it's not because they're outside of God's will. They're in the storm because actually they're right in the middle of God's will, even if they didn't see it. But to see that, you've got to be willing to take risks. To really learn that lesson, you've got to be willing to take the risks. Sometimes when you're serving God, you're serving Jesus, and you're doing everything you're supposed to do, you still have to face storms. That's what happened to these guys. They were told to go. They obeyed, and they still had to face the storms. Sometimes the storms are storms for correction. That's like in the case of Jonah. Sometimes they are storms of perfection. That's what was going on here. He was trying to teach them stuff. When the hardship comes, challenges come. Fear comes. Lack of faith comes. The question is, is will you risk it? Will you take the risk? What will you do for Jesus? Now I want us to read this again. Not the whole story, but just a couple of verses. Because there's a point here that just jumped out and grabbed me. Verses 27 through 29. Uh, Jesus immediately said to them, you know, he, he'd come to them and they're freaking out. You know, it's a ghost. He immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Pete said, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on, he said. And it dawns on me, getting out of the boat was not Jesus' idea. It was Peter's idea. Jesus never said, hey, take courage, it's I. Why don't you all, you guys, just get on out of that boat and come on out here with me. No, Peter came up with this idea. It blows my mind. A lot of you know, a lot of us, we just love being satisfied with doing little things for God. You know, we like coming to church and we like singing these songs and we get moved emotionally by I give myself away or we get fired up by Jesus got the power and that's good. That wasn't enough for Peter. Peter says, I want to do something extraordinary. I want to do something out there. And all it took was Jesus saying, come on. And Peter obeyed. He climbed out of the boat. He stepped out. And he's walking. And not just walking on the sea. I mean, I'm looking at this picture. That does not look like a storm that would keep 12 men from rowing a boat to shore. They said it was such a storm. They, they, they were straining. They couldn't move. The storm was beating them up. So I'm figuring he's walking on the water. That's not the smoothest surface even to walk on. But that's what he was doing. 
One of the biggest problems I see in the church today is people are afraid to get out of the boat and answer the Lord's call. We're afraid to ask the Lord, let me do something awesome with you, Lord. Let's do something great together. Could it be because we're afraid Jesus will say, well, come on in. Let's do something great together. Sure, Peter sank. He sank because he took his eyes off of Jesus. But the other 11 never even had their eyes on Jesus. They were always looking at the storm and the relative safety of their little boat. Peter was the only one who had faith enough to want to step out of the boat, who offered to step out even before Jesus said, come on. He was the only one who actually did. Now, how does this apply to our lives today? Because thankfully, we're not asked to actually walk on the water. Okay, we're not asked to physically do that. And God may be calling us as individuals to do different things in our lives. I don't know. But I do know that there are things that God calls all of us to do. There are things that God wants all of us to do. Jesus mentions it in Matthew 28 when he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. He mentions it in Mark 16 when he says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's mentioned in Philippians chapter 2, and Paul words it like this. He says, I want you, you need to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. We've talked about, and we're going to keep talking about focusing this year on doing just that in 2006, to grow in, to excel in making disciples, to excel in going and preaching the world, uh, word to all of the world, to excel in shining like stars as we hold out the word of life. Now, I know that there are many fears associated with this. Because there's risk. And like the 12 people in the boat, you know, there's, there's fears. They were told, though, get in the boat and go. And they did. Just like we've been told, go. And it led them right into a storm. And they were terrified. And we share many of the same fears they have. When we think about sharing our faith, when we think about talking about someone about Jesus or inviting someone to, we share a lot of these same fears. It won't work. Like getting out of the boat and walking on the water. It won't work. Walking on the water seldom does. And we have that fear. Or we fear, I'll look foolish. Well, yeah. Trying to walk on the water or even thinking you can walk on the water can be somewhat ill-advised and foolish looking. I've tried it before and failed. I don't know if they've actually tried to walk on the water, but they had through trial and error figured out that when you get out on the water, you sink. Every time they tried it. Very much, our fears are very much like the guys in the boat. I might sink. I might drown. I might not measure up. Nobody wants to look foolish. Nobody wants to be made a fool of, so they stay in the boat. And they just keep rowing and rowing and fighting on their own. The ego is a terrible thing when it gets in the way of us walking with the Master. But look at the story more, quick, more closely. Why did Jesus come to them like this? Why did he come to them walking on the water? Is it in part for him to show them that the thing you fear the most, most I have complete control over? 
the waves that are over your head are actually under my feet? The thing you're scared of the most. And their fear was logical. It was rational. It was founded by trial and error and the laws of physics. They had reason to be afraid. Some of your fears, just the same. They're logical. They're reasonable. But when God and Jesus get involved, miraculous things can happen. The logic and the reason and the laws of physics no longer apply. I've been talking about partnering with God, using that phrase, partnering with God and sharing your faith. That's what I think is going on right here with Pete. This, is, this story, this is what I'm talking about. Because the only way Peter could ever walk on the water, the only way anybody could ever walk on the water, is if God or Jesus was making them do it. That's the only way it was ever going to happen. I mean, look at the equation. Eyes on Jesus, walk on the water. Eyes off Jesus, sink. Jesus takes your hand, walk on the water. Try to do it on your own, sink. It was not up to Peter to walk on the water. It was up to Jesus to make Peter, to help him, to give him the ability to walk on the water. All Peter had to do was trust and get out of the boat. You got to stay with Jesus. Sometimes I want to be with Jesus. Sometimes Jesus is out there in the water. And that's where I got to go. Now, in evangelism, a lot of times we feel the pressure and we fold under the pressure that says, I've got to save these people. And the truth is, you don't. It's not your job to save them, that's Jesus' job. I got to partner with Jesus. Like Peter had to partner with Jesus to walk on the water. I got to partner with Jesus. He's doing the saving. All I'm doing is making the introduction. We need to make it our motto. Hey, Magic Bob, put this on our website, right? Start with us, end up with Jesus. Because that's all we really do is make the introduction. Send people to Jesus. We need to partner with him. And when we partner with him, we don't know how much work he's been doing before we even show up. He may have been working on somebody's hearts for years. Or maybe he knows of something that's just about to happen. Last Sunday, uh, Mike, Philly, and I, and, and, and another friend, Mike's friend, Damien, went, went out to lunch to talk about God and spiritual things. And our waitress, Pam, came by. And Mike immediately, I mean, she's taking our drink orders, right? And he whips out his, his iPhone church card that we have and invites her to church. I told him, I usually wait till the end, the end of the meal. You know, I mean, it's no big deal. Just kind of build a little rapport there or whatever. Uh, but he does it right immediately. She takes our drink order. She goes away. Ten minutes goes by. She comes back. Tears are coming down her face. She goes, can you guys pray for me? What, what in the world? Yeah, she said, I just got a phone call. My husband's cousin who was on his third tour, tour in Afghanistan has just killed himself. We, we stopped right there and prayed for her. I venture to say we're the only table she asked to pray for her. We're partnering. We don't know what's going on. All we're trying to do is just reach out. We don't know what happens. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know yet. This poor waitress gets hit with this thing. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'll invite somebody to church. Well, you know, I've invited them before. They won't come. They don't, they're not interested. 
Again, don't make the mistake of thinking you're in this alone. You're partnering with God. You don't know what else is going on in their life since the last time you talked to them. God may be doing all kinds of stuff behind the scenes so that they will get interested. Because I'll tell you one thing I know for sure, God is interested in them. And I need to be constantly thinking, okay, you know what? They weren't interested, but I don't know. They might be now because I'm partnering with God. And then there's always that thing. You know what? It could be that here's old Reuben, you know, and people reaching out to Reuben. But he's one of those 100 inviters. You know what that means? He don't want to hear it. It's going to take 100 invites to get him to come to church. He's one of those guys. Are you willing to be number 26? Oh, I'm a failure. He didn't come to church. No, you're just number 26. It's going to take 100. But we need a lot of people inviting to get us to 100. All of us, we all want to be number 100, don't we? Now I feel successful. Now I'm partnering with God. And God's saying, you know what? It's going to take 100. I need 99 people to be willing to step out of the boat just because I asked them to. Because old Reuben here, he ain't going to do nothing until I hit number 100. Or maybe he's not going to do that. Maybe Reuben don't want to do that or whatever. They don't want to come to, they're not coming to church and things like that. Uh, my, my page just flipped out here. It doesn't matter. I know where I'm going. So my friend doesn't come to church or he doesn't come to the chili cook-off or he doesn't come to the singing night or whatever. Oh, I'm feeling horrible. I'm feeling terrible. But God's going, you don't get it. We're partnering together. I'm really not wanting your friend to come here tonight. They're not ready. I need you to talk to this other person's friend though. That's why I want you there. I need you to be giving. I need you to be reaching out to that other person. Again, the, the fellow that Mike and I were with last Sunday, Damien, he was sharing with me. He goes, your church is so friendly. And then he started giving me names of people. Not just say, introduce, but conversations. He's only been here twice. He goes, oh, this person who had such a great conversation with him. And this person. Has, and he's giving me names. And I'm going, you know what? That's part God using all of us. It's Mike's co-worker, but God partners with all of us. And we've got to have the courage to reach out, courage to, 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 to help people and to talk to them, to say something, maybe like Peter did. Lord, I, I don't know what to do. Let me just jump out of the boat. Go on. I always call, I try when, 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 when I preach and, and, we, and we have a crowd here, I, I call people to study the Bible, our guests, people that come to church. Maybe you're here for the first time or the second time or the third time and we always say you need to get in a Bible study because, you know, we believe Jesus does have the power and, but we also believe you got to listen and like Tracy Kirsch had, had shared, but we go, you got to listen, you got to get in the word. It's not just come to church and get a fuzzy warm feeling. That's not going to change your life. That might help you through the day, but that's not going to change your life. He didn't change Tracy's life until he really started listening and getting into the Word of God. So we call people, get in a Bible study, get in a Bible study. What would happen if you just said, all right, I'll do it. I'll take the risk. Why not? I'll be like that. I don't know where, Jesus, I don't know where you're leading me. But I'll tell you what, I'll walk on the water with you. My heart, your power, Jesus, let's see where it takes us. I'll trust. Where does it take you? Somebody asks you to study the Bible? Say, yeah, let's do it. Let's get in there. Let's look at the Word. 
Just like Jesus, it was going to ask you to walk on the water. Okay, where's it going to take you? Jesus got some plan somewhere. And for those of us in this church, what would happen in this church if 10 of us, 10 of us said, Jesus, let's just walk on the water together. Let's do some water walking. Let's do something amazing together, Jesus. I want to do something amazing. My arms and legs and heart, your power, let's go. Let's see what happens. What if 20 people or 30 of us, 50, what if all of us said it, said Jesus? And you know something about Peter. Peter didn't say, Jesus, if that's you, let me do something amazing with you. No, he spelled it out. Let me just jump down there on the water with you. Oh, that's gutsy. That's gutsy. Do we have that faith? What if 10 of us, 50 of us said, you know what? Me and Jesus, let's do this, Jesus. I'm going to do that. It's just amazing. That's out there. That's out of the boat. Forget about thinking outside the box. Think outside the boat. And all it takes is your decision. My decision. To speak up and ask Jesus for something awesome. But when you do, be ready to act when Jesus says, okay then, come on. Jesus liked I think Jesus liked it out there on the water better than in the boat. I don't know. See, too many people talk about being with Jesus in the boat. It's safe. It's warm. It's awesome. We want to lead me beside quiet waters and lay me down in green pastures. That's the Jesus we want. Sometimes, though, Jesus is out there in the storm. Sometimes he's mixing it up out there where it's risky and it's scary. And he's saying, come on. It might not always be easy, but I will tell you one thing. It is always exciting. And you get great stories. You know those times when you're sitting around with people and they're telling war stories about serving God? And you want to have something more than, yeah, yeah, I had this quiet time once. I just felt this sense of peace come over me. You know. You don't really want to share that story. It's cool. It's great when it happens, but you want to tell that story of we were out there and sharing our faith, and then this crazy guy came up. And you know. <laughs> it's funny. I got a lot more of those stories from Boston. A lot more crazy people in Boston than anywhere else. I don't know. And don't let the fear of failure stop you, guys. Don't let the fear of fa- did Peter fail? I want you to. I want to think about that. Failure is not an event. It's rather, failure is a judgment about an event. It's not something that necessarily happens to us or a label that you attach. It's a way you think about things. Well, some people could think Peter failed, I suppose, in some ways. Okay, his faith wasn't strong enough. He doubted. He took his eyes off the Lord. It said he began to sink. Even Jesus said, why did you doubt? You have little faith. But then if, we, if that's the only way we saw it, we'd fail to see this dude walked on the water twice. Once when Jesus said, get out of the boat, and then he's walking on the water. And I don't know how long that one lasted, but then he got a little shaky. He fell, and he grabbed Jesus, and Jesus, and he walked again. I think there were 11 bigger failures there that day. They failed quietly. They failed privately. Their failure went unnoticed, unobserved, and uncriticized until this sermon. (laughs) 
Only Peter knew the shame of the public failure, but you know what? Only Peter, there's a couple of other things that only Peter knew. Number one is only he knew the glory of walking on the water. And only he knew what it was like to attempt to do something that he knew for a fact he was completely powerless to do on his own, but he was able to do it because of the power of God. Only he had that. And I tell you, when you walk on the water, that's something you don't ever forget. Not for the rest of your life. God uses us. And he wants to use us. He wants to partner with us. He wants to work together with us to save people's souls for eternity. And once you've been involved in that, that's not something you ever forget. Not for the rest of your life. If you're here today and you're a guest, I want to encourage you, join us and live for something bigger than yourself. Live for something more exciting than riding around in the boat. Live to partner with God to change the world. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, step out of your boat of security. Step out of your boat of comfort and do something amazing with Jesus. Say, Jesus, you and me, baby. My arms, my legs, my heart, your power. Let's do something. Be like a rock. A rock walking on the water.